The question today is, do you wish to understand the gift of holding people accountable? My name is Amy Ballantyne. Welcome to Power to the People Pleasers. So excited to have my guest here, Mitch Gray, joining us. Hey, Amy. Great to be here with you. And uh, let's dig in, right? It's going to be yeah. good. Yes. So we are, we're talking about holding people accountable, but as you know, this is power to the people pleasers. And so as a recovering people pleaser myself, I love to know that I'm not alone, help others realize they're not alone. Have you ever been a people pleaser and, and how did that show up in your life? If yes. Yeah. I almost want to rephrase that as, has, have I ever not been ah. a people pleaser, right? <laughs> it's like, um, we're here because we're here. And so um yeah it's it's an interesting life right I, i'm sorry i'm kind of slow to respond just because i'm thinking of all of the moments and maybe your listeners are you know kind of in their minds playing all the moments kind of as, as john acuff so eloquently puts the soundtracks of our minds um yeah and i can reflect back on so many uh times in life that that really at the end of the day we're probably self-sabotaging through the guise of people-pleasing. Um, some of those moments were very uh, serious moments. Some of them were just kind of lighthearted moments, even in raising kids. Uh, you have moments when you're raising kids that it's like, I probably shouldn't have done that that way, but I did it just to appease them yep. um, and, and not given myself. So, um, yeah, I remember one of the very first times that I, that I kind of uh, – was able to reflect genuinely and with intention and, and kind of identify, because I think a lot of times, and you, you see this often in uh, addiction programs, is we often don't know we're addicted until we're addicted. Um, call it denial, call it self-discovery, whatever it is. The fact of the matter is we're, we're so busy living in the forest that we don't realize we're jumping off the cliff. And mm -hmm. one of the first times in life as a young adult, um, I was actually managing uh, and moved up in leadership and was running a multi-million dollar store. And I just had these moments that uh, other people basically were telling me that I wasn't living my authentic self, but I didn't really understand how to listen to that. And so it looked like things like uh, district manager would come visit and employees would tell, tell district manager certain things about Mitch. And district manager would come back to Mitch and say, hey, Mitch, you know, so-and-so says that, you know, you really haven't put the time into them that they would like. Or, you know, they, they asked you for time off and you were kind of a jerk about it or whatever. And it's like all the echoes of not wanting to deal with stuff because you're so busy worrying about what other people are thinking, saying, doing, et cetera. And then I also remember in my life at that time, just even in my relationship, you know, with my wife at the time, it was like really trying to live both worlds of moving up the ladder, being a leader, leading a, a business of decent size, and also balancing the mythical thing that we always try and figure, the balance of life, right? <laughs> trying to balance the needs of a relationship and looking back it's like yeah i probably didn't do that great of a job but what i really didn't do a good job at because of people pleasing is setting boundaries mm -hmm. and it's the idea of setting boundaries in a relationship of like hey this is my job this is what i'm passionate about doing right now this is what it's going to look like here's what our relationship can look like inside of that and so i just kind of 
conjugate a few opportunities and, and events and engagements in my life early in my adulthood, in my early to mid-20s, where it's like, man, I really wish I could go back and understand the power of boundaries a little bit more and understand uh, more about my self-awareness to, to, to really kind of have some vision and foresight and go, oh my gosh, you know, this is what people are saying. This is what's echoing. This is what my family is saying. But really that's happening because I'm not setting the boundaries that need to be set. And let's be honest, Amy, I'm still not terribly amazing at setting some of those boundaries. I'm learning. But, We're you know, learning. Kind, of, kind of to that point, you know, 25, 26 years later, it's still a process, right? I, I, I don't know that we ever outrun this part of our DNA, but what we can do is empower the lessons that we learn from this part of our DNA. And, and I think that's really where the magic can lie. So that was a long way of saying, um, yes, there are these things that happen in life, but really being aware of them and going, okay, I can still learn from that story. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And I, when we were preparing for this conversation, you shared a little bit about how at the time back, back when you were managing, one of your big lessons was uh, holding people accountable. Yeah. Can you share a little bit about that time in your life? And, you know, that's what we're here today. We're talking about why, why it is a gift to hold people accountable, how it's helpful. So can you share that story, please? Yeah, when we think about the nature of accountability, when, when it's done in a way that's empowering, it, it really truly is empowering. Um, and we all need accountability, whether we're, taking on a new diet or we're starting a new job or we're raising a family, there has to be those built-in mechanisms of accountability. And I learned really early on. Um, I, I had a few in particular, uh, in fact, I'll share, I think this is a different story than I shared when we had our conversation, but, but very long same lines. I'll never forget, I, I, when I took over that store, I never hired or recruited anyone. I, I had never run a business and, um, just kind of had some raw leadership abilities that this this company noticed in me and felt like they could kind of nurture those as we moved along. But I stepped into this this situation that needed major overhaul. The problem with being a people pleaser and needing to do a major overhaul in a business is it usually means you've got to make some pretty major changes with people. That was a, an incredibly jagged pill for me to swallow because I. I you know, probably the foundation of my people pleasing is I just don't like hurting people. I don't like seeing people hurt and I don't like being uh, the motivator for that hurt, pain, etc. And so, you know, the first first couple of months, first year, I did the best I could to just get rid of people as fast as I could. I think I handed it. I ran a team of 12 to 20 on a normal basis. I think after my first year, I handed out like over 150 tax forms. Uh, which is an insane amount for a team that small. But I, I had a I had a guy that I hired one time and he shopped with us. I, it was a high fashion retail store. He shopped with us quite a bit. Nice guy, great smile, pretty good presence. And I thought, man, I just need some really good people. You know, whether he can sell or not, I don't really care at this point. I just need good vibes and good energy. And about two months in, this guy, I'm not kidding you, Amy, he was the best jean folder I ever had in my life. He could <laughs> fold jeans. But the reason he was so good at folding jeans is A, he was detail oriented and B, he did not like selling at all, did not enjoy it. And so I'm sitting there going, okay, I have to make a change with this guy. Let's let's call him, you know, let's call him a James. 
I have to make a change with James. I don't have an option. It's unfair to him. It's unfair to me. It's unfair to the customer. It's unfair to the team. But such a nice guy, such a great gene folder, would do anything you asked of him. At that point in my career, I'm about two to three years in, I had developed the culture enough that people were kind of firing themselves, which is a whole other episode we could discuss in a strategy. We don't have time to dig into it today. But what I learned is through this art of accountability through empowerment, I incidentally, at the time, to be honest, I incidentally ran onto this idea of creating a culture where people recognize really quickly if they're going to fit or not. So back to James. I'm a couple of years into management. I had kind of figured out this whole managing, building a team thing. And I walk up to James one day and I'm like, look, man, can we have a conversation? And he's like, yeah. And I could just tell something wasn't right. He's like, hey, how are you doing? How are you feeling about the job? And he's all, Mitch, I hate it. I hate it. I'm like, what do you mean? And he goes, I absolutely hate selling. And that's what we're here to do. We're not here to fold jeans all day. I'm like, yeah, you're right. So what do you think we should do? He's like, well, I can't work here anymore, man. But I, you know, I, I don't know. I really like you. I like working for you. I'm like, look, man, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to help you find another job. We're going to move you on to something. So I called a buddy that had like a welding business. And this guy, by the way, this guy went on to start his own construction company. He's doing incredibly well now. He's built this, you know, kind of small empire in the construction world. And so what I learned in that moment specifically about being a people pleaser, but also understanding accountability is a none of us are stupid. Most of us have enough awareness to know when we fit and when we don't. B, we often just need someone to hold the mirror up. Yeah. And honestly ask, Amy, are you comfortable in this moment? Is everything okay? And when we've provided a safe space for people to give an honest response, they normally know the answer. I think we all deep down know the answer. It's just that it's really difficult sometimes to face the truth. And as people pleasers, that's it. I was thinking this morning, I was like, man, I really hate quitting things. Yeah. Whether it's letting a relationship move on for another season, whether it's a job, whether it's a project, but why do I not like quitting things? It's not because I didn't do a good job. It's not because I didn't give my best. It's because I just have a hard time letting go. Why do I have a hard time letting go? Because I feel like I let myself and others down. And so when I learned the art of just simply holding the mirror up and letting that be the accountability, that takes the burden off of me and simply gives power to the story at hand. Now we have to be careful because the balancing act is not using that as a cop out of yeah. doing, playing my role as a leader, as, as a motivator, inspirer, instigator of greatness. But what it also does is as a people pleaser, it allows me to go, look, it's really not my responsibility how you live your life. Mm -hmm. It's just not, it's my responsibility to show up. And if I can just focus on showing up, normally everything else takes care of itself. And so James taught me a big lesson. And that lesson was just ask the question, are things okay? Are you comfortable? And if not, how can I support you moving out? By the way, as a people pleaser, what I learned is when I hired right and it just wasn't a fit, I help people find jobs instead of fire them. And that was so good for me <laughs> because I, I felt so much better about that situation. What's crazy is, over the last 20 years, how many people have contacted me and been like, man, that, 
but you're the only person that's ever done that for me. And it was really cool how you did. So I take pride in that because it matters how we treat people, right? Even when we need to make changes, it matters. Yes. Yes. That's big. I love that you've, you found the mother jobs and helped be a part of the solution to, you know, guide and mentor them forward. That's huge. Yeah. So awesome. So you, uh, you have this podcast, the Mitch Gray show. Tell me about this. <laughs> yeah. Our mantra is bringing the art of humanity back to leadership. So we talk about things like what we just talked about. We tell stories. Uh, I have amazing guests on the show that, you know, it's interesting. And I'm sure you've experienced this in your podcasting life that I don't really seek out guests that have the same mindset, but I, they're kind of, I, it's, you kind of just attract them. It's like, yeah. I don't even try and they just show up. Right. And what's even more interesting is the last year I haven't even actively booked guests. You know, you kind of get to the point, you build that momentum that people start kind of coming to you. And, um, and in fact, the next, I've, I've got a co-host now, uh, Miguel Antonio, who's amazing. And the next few episodes, we're going to have guests on. And really, we're just about inspiring people, talking about the deeper things of life, deeper thoughts. You know, we we talk about everything from spirituality to building teams to setting culture to decision making and mindset. And so not so dissimilar to really what you're doing in the world, which, again, we kind of all, you know, goodness attracts goodness and and so on and so on. And so, uh, yeah, go subscribe anywhere podcasts are available. We'd love to have listeners uh, check that out. Amazing. Amazing. So as a speaker, what is your favorite uh, topic to to share with people? Ooh, you're going to make me narrow it down to one topic. Uh, <laughs> I guess I would say, um, I, I guess I would say personal development from the standpoint of um, what I call the five currencies. So spirituality, um, financial, emotional, physical, mental, um, the five currencies. And somewhere in playing, I don't really talk about finances. That's not my cup of tea, but we often just view finances as the currency. Yes. Which I would argue the most important currencies are not finance. Finance is usually the result of currency from the others. But I really love digging into the personal development side of, you know, what are you investing in yourself? How are you growing? What questions are you asking? How are you showing up in every moment with energy, positivity, authenticity? Um, because, you know, the, the longer I live, not that I'm an old dad, but the longer I live life, the more I realize we spend so much time in every single moment except this moment. We spend so much time either hanging on to the past or worrying about tomorrow. And so I've really been on this kick the last six to eight months about really inviting people into considering what would it look like in your life to just be present now, to show up now. Because really showing up is the battle. If we show up, things can happen. If we never show up, nothing happens. And so really focusing on that energy of showing up for here, now and letting everything else unfold so you could say faith <laughs> you could say faith yeah, yeah yeah so how do you hold yourself accountable then to to showing up in the present yeah so uh for people watching on the screen sometimes it begins with technology uh personally i always have my phone on do not disturb and i made that decision about a year ago but first of all for my mental health but second of all that way before a meeting, you know, before you and I jumped on here, I didn't have to worry about turning things off. I just, 
If it's a 911 situation, people know to text me, hey, call me right back. I really need you in this moment. And, and so that leads to really focusing on the process of turning off the static because there's so much static. Um, whether it's checking emails or being available, you know, that's kind of the downside to technology, right? Is it's made us incredibly available. And I have this little mental mantra I say, and that is I'm going to live like it's 1994 because I, my teenage years were the early 90s where we didn't have cell phones and we didn't have, you know, I had my house. We didn't even have a computer until I was like a senior in high school. I, I didn't get online, you know, we still took typing in high school. And, and so often I miss that. I miss, I miss the emptiness, not negatively, but just the space of being able to think. I, and, and I, you know, they, they show us mental, emotional health data and, you know, unfortunately, suicide ideations on the rise, addictive behaviors on the rise. And I firmly believe it's because most of us are just looking for some empty space. We're just looking for those moments where we can shut our brain off. And, and I struggle with that. So for me, the accountability is uh, I'm not available all the time. And I'm fine. it took me a couple of years to practice, like especially with my kids, you yeah. know, because I prided myself on being there for my kids and they're adults now. But it took me a while to be like, hey, dad's not always available. And that's a really good thing. What's great is I'm seeing them set the habits earlier than I ever did. And so we have to take courage to know that when we set those boundaries, it's actually empowering others to set boundaries as well. Um, I set daily habits and anchors. So um, I I go to the gym and lift weights four to five times a week. I move my body every day. Um, I'm learning to expand my meditation sessions. I'm trying to get to where I'm doing it three to four days a week rather than just maybe once. And so it's those little things that I go, I know I'm going to feel better after I do it, even on the days I don't want to do it. And it's just that discipline. It's saying I'm turning it off. I'm not available. I'm going into my meditative state. I'm just going to be here for myself. We know, again, because we're smart creatures that when we do those things, the results are really good. So having the courage to take the discipline and have the accountability set. You know, I don't, I I have a few coaches that I work under, but I don't necessarily have an accountability group or whatever. I just really, when I make the decision, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to set my mind to it. And I think all of us have that ability and power. It's not a superpower. Mm -hmm. Just pick your routine, pick your daily anchors, set your boundaries and set your mind to it. And have compassion when you don't yes. make it. Yes. Have compassion. Yeah. And so you're sharing that you're a very, very disciplined person, that you have that strength already mastered. Yeah. For those people who are on that journey, you you kind of mentioned the group or the accountability person. Are there any downfalls to having that accountability person? Or is that something you recommend to people at the beginning of their their journey to discipline? Um, know yourself. What's the old saying? Know thyself. Uh, th- that's the key. You know, for me, um, having a therapist or a business coach or a physical trainer coach is very advantageous. I don't necessarily need an accountability group or, an account- you know, I go to the gym by myself. But there are others that it's like, hey, I need this extra motivation. Awesome. Do it. It's not right or wrong. It's know yourself. So that's the first key. The second key is start small. Yeah. Start with something very small. If it's like, okay, 
you know, I really want to change my diet. Well, then start with one thing. Maybe add some fresh vegetables once a week and just start there. Maybe add, you know, if you drink a lot of soda, maybe take out one soda a week, whatever it is. If you try and, you know, as, as uh, Dave Ramsey, the financial guy says, if you try and eat the whole elephant at once, you know, you can't. It's just a bite at a time. So it's that same idea of how can you start small? Maybe it is inviting a group. If you want to start being physically active, walk five minutes three times a week. Do it during your lunch break and ask a coworker to go with you. You'll have great conversation. It'll be enjoyable. Whatever that looks like for you. Um, and I think that's the biggest piece. And so I would even start with the idea of take inventory of yourself, get a notebook out. I'm old school, get a notebook, get a pen, be honest with yourself and just take inventory and write down, okay, here's my goal. What do I truly need? Do I need the accountability partner? Do I need to join a group online? Am I, if I'm going to read 15 books this year, do I need to read, you know, join a reading circle on LinkedIn or whatever? Gosh, the world is full of so much opportunity that I think it overwhelms us sometimes. And so just get your pen and paper, take inventory, be honest with yourself, and maybe ask if you have a best friend, ask them to take inventory. Hey, here's what I'm thinking about doing. You know me well. If I take this endeavor on, do you, you know, do, am I set up for success here? And hopefully your best friend can positively say, yes, here's why, or no, have you thought about uh, X, Y, and Z. And you see that with people, especially on diets. I want to lose 30 pounds. I'm going to change my whole diet. And so in those moments, it's like, well, let's back up a little bit. You know, it's really a behavior. Uh, what I like to say is persistence over time. That's how you build discipline. Discipline isn't decided overnight. It's persistent over time because you really need those wins. Yeah. I love that. I love that. You know, and you just uh, reminded me of a, a moment I had yesterday with an individual who said, and it was around accountability, actually. I asked her if she had someone who can hold her accountable to the life that she wanted to have and some of the challenges she wanted to work through. And she sh she shared that she had one person who is her best friend who wouldn't actually tell her the truth, who would just be like agreeable and say, oh, yeah, you're doing great and, you know, supportive and encouraging. And then she had another friend who definitely could hold her accountable, but she almost was afraid to call her because the way the person was delivering accountability was like harsh and over the top. So it's, I think there's a beautiful place to land here and to wrap this up to remind people that there is a gift in holding people accountable if they're asking us to, to yeah. be compassionate, to be empathetic, to provide that space for them um, in a way that we would want to be treated if we were asking for that accountability as well. And that yeah. I'm so glad that you, you brought that around. Yeah. And the $64 million question there is how do you want to be treated? Yes. And, how and that's, <laughs> that's, that's the question that most people don't dive into. I mean, really, and, and you know, what I'm doing, when I'm doing leadership coaching with business leaders, one of the first questions I ask is how do you want to be communicated with and have you asked that question of your team? And you can apply that to parental relationships, marriage relationships, business, whatever that looks like. And so in that scenario, to me, it's like, number one, are you clear on how you want to be communicated with? And number two, are you clear on how you're going to teach others to communicate with you? And that's something we miss out on. And it, and it is scary. I mean, it really is to take inventory of yourself, first of all, and then go, 
hey, Amy, I really need an accountability coach. Here's how I prefer to be communicated with. Is that something you can do? But those are the questions. And if you could just narrow it down to that, that's such a huge starting point. And it's, and it's really magical. Yeah. So awesome. What a great conversation, Mitch. It was so wonderful to have you today. Thank you for, for yeah. being here. Thank you very much. Enjoyed it. Awesome. And so to connect with Mitch, uh, his podcast is The Mitch Gray Show, uh, MitchGrayMedia.com or on Instagram, MGrayMedia. So connect with him there. Thank you again, Mitch. It was great to have you. Thank you. And to all of our listeners, it was so wonderful to have you listening in again to Power to the People Pleasers. My name is Amy Ballantyne. Thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for the next episode coming soon. Bye now.